So I always advise, if you don't like the resource, just put it away. Focus on the things that are interested for you. Native speakers make mistakes all the time. So why would somebody who's studying the language won't make but a certain mistakes you have to make multiple times before you start auto-correcting them and before you don't make them anymore. Hello, hello, language lovers. Welcome back to LingoCast, the podcast of your language journey. My name is Eliseu and starting here our episode number 68. And before introducing our today's guest, you already know. Don't forget to follow us on social media and in your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to support our projects, you can be part of our Patreon program, choosing the category that fits the best to you. So you can follow our projects, talk to us, be part of our group, and send questions to our guests. Once done with all of that, we are ready to go to today's episode. And we're gonna talk about how to deal with mistakes in language learning. So let's see how was this talk. Kenny, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you for having me, how are you? I'm doing great too, yeah, it's really good to have you here. Antoine recommended you. Uh, I'm really curious to, to hear a little bit about your story, about your projects. Can you introduce yourself so we can start getting to know a little bit about you? Yeah, so I'm originally from Belgium, but I've been living for the past six years in, uh, in Spain. Mm -hmm. So as I'm from Belgium, most people in Belgium speak multiple languages. We have uh, three official languages. So I studied uh, French uh, starting from the age of eight and then English uh, when I was 12. I did an exchange program in uh, when I was 15 with a school in the south of Italy, which uh, ignited a bit my interest for Italian. Uh, so after university, I moved, I worked a few years and then I moved to Italy. And uh, then suddenly I started teaching languages to children in Rome um, and then uh, I had colleagues from Germany and from Portugal so I started German and Portuguese um, and then in 2016 I moved to from Belgium to Madrid and I happened to find a job as a language teacher Sheer coincidence, um, because somebody offered me uh, a job in um, a small academy. And then uh, actually only recently, uh, two years ago, during the pandemic, um, I actually discovered that languages are my passion. So I'm uh, 39 now. So it took me a while to discover that my uh, passion really are languages. It was always like in front of me, but nobody told me maybe that's the thing you should do for a living uh, and then I also switched from uh, teaching at academies where I m mainly taught um, English to online teaching and I started a bit uh, on an italki a platform and then I started also my own business through my website uh, where I use my, uh, my uh, something polyglot um, I'm very active also on, on Twitter and now I teach uh, Depending on how you see it, I teach four or five languages because you have uh, my native Belgian Dutch. Some people call it Flemish. And then you have uh, Dutch from the Netherlands. They're most the same languages. Colloquially, there's a big difference. But, but like I imagine a bit like Brazilian Portuguese and Portuguese from Portugal. And then uh, English, Italian and uh, French I also teach. 
um yeah from uh, from here from uh, from Madrid and uh, I use something polyglot on the internet because uh, my languages or the fact I'm a polyglot is not the most important thing about me or my life but there is there's something polyglot uh, about me that's why I um, I use that name yeah actually that uh, I was going to ask you why the the name because it is a little interesting yeah uh, yeah actually it's a bit funny because um I uh, I was looking for a name and I thought I, I want something with polyglot because actually only um, just before um, I was uh, thinking about starting my own website, my own uh, activity, I discovered that I'm a polyglot because if you look in the dictionary, polyglot is somebody who speaks multiple languages. And at, at that time, I spoke six languages fluently. So I thought, oh, I'm a polyglot. I just <laughs> found out. And I thought, okay, I have my website. I want something with polyglot. So I wrote down something polyglot and my, my then husband told me, well, why don't you use that? And I have been used, I didn't think, of, uh, I didn't invent another name or didn't come up with another name and I just started using that and yeah, it works. So there is something polyglot <laughs> about me and I've been using it for the past uh, two, three years now. Awesome, awesome story. And, and can you tell a little bit about the moment then you realized that languages were your your passion and uh, yeah yeah actually so uh, there's a very active and supportive uh, language community on twitter so you have like a hashtag lang twt um and i started i switched my um twitter account for more i studied political science and international relations so i'm very much interested in that kind of stuff but if you try to follow people and respond to people on Twitter, you get a lot of people that are negative, people start insulting. So it's a very negative environment. So I switched my account to more languages, exclusively languages. And then I found out that I'm not a weirdo because I always thought I'm a weirdo. I like, I, I like languages, I like studying languages. I'm into languages in my free time, I study. Uh, when you are in high school, people think, why do you like studying? So, and then in that community, I discovered, and also on Instagram, that there are a lot of people who are into languages. So I'm not special anymore. I'm not a weirdo anymore. And I think that helped me to discover, okay, I'm, I'm allow, I allowed myself, I think, to discover that language is something I can be passionate about. I can share my story, my experience, my tips, my tricks with other people. And I didn't feel that special or alone anymore. And I think that helped me to discover that uh, this is something that I can do, yeah, all day long. Uh, languages are my, I, 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 okay, I, I can say that there's something polyglot about me, but it's a very big part because I teach languages. Um, uh, I have my own uh, website. I'm very active on social media. I do language exchanges in my free time, four or five times a week in person and online. Uh, my friends, uh, at the moment, my friends are actually exclusively language-based. So it's, it's a big part of my life. So um, the, the, the passion, yeah, my job also, I, I don't, often I don't have the feeling that I'm working because I'm doing something with my languages. Uh, so I think a lot of people think, or the, the biggest dream you can have for many people is that when you're working, you don't have the feeling that you're working. At the end of the day, I'm very tired. I'm exhausted often, but I don't have the idea while I'm working, I don't feel it because I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, sharing my my uh, my languages, um, talking to people, helping them and learning, especially learning, because I think the mo what I've learned the past two years is the person who learns the most in a lesson 
in the class is a teacher because I have to listen. I have a lot of conversation class and the, the students share information about their country, culture, their country, their history, their personal life. So I'm learning a lot about their lives. Totally, yeah, totally. This, mm -hmm. this phrase is, I totally agree with it. And at the end, like the, the teacher, we are the person who uh, is taking this information. So we need to find mm -hmm. the ways to unlock this information from the students, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also about sharing uh, information, you started as well a new project, right? You, are, you have your mm -hmm. own podcast. Yeah. So um, I teach mainly uh, Flemish, so Belgian Dutch, so it's not exactly correct to call Bel uh, Flemish, uh, Bel uh, Belgian Dutch Flemish uh, linguistically, but a lot of people use that name because it's spoken in Flanders, uh, the region, um, the biggest region of, of Belgium. And uh, so I started my own podcast where I talk about Dutch, Belgium, uh, Flanders, the Netherlands, uh, but in in my accent, uh, and I explain the differences between the Dutch of the Netherlands and the Dutch uh, spoken in Belgium uh, for like intermediate and advanced learners, because actually there's not a lot of material on the market. If you want to learn Dutch and, for example, for one reason or another, you, you want to learn the Dutch of, of Belgium, if you check on, on, on the Internet, I think 90% of what you find is for the Dutch from the Netherlands and not from Belgium or from Suriname, because also in Suriname, uh, it's, uh, it's spoken. It's almost exclusively um, for Dutch from uh, the, the Netherlands. I imagine a little bit like Portuguese. A lot of the material is the, the Portuguese of Brazil. Exactly, it's a bigger yeah. country and less for um, the Portuguese of, of Portugal. And I think it's a bit the same with Dutch. That's why I launched my own podcast, not only because uh, I think it could be interesting, but also because it allows me to look into stuff about my my own uh, my mother tongue, to learn more about my mother tongue, because I think that it allows me also to, to become a better teacher than um, than I am at the moment. Totally, totally. And um, in your opinion, what's the importance of producing content in our mother tongue? In our mother tongue? I think it doesn't necessarily has to be you every teacher can produce something in the language that he masters uh a lot uh, or or very very well um so for me it's i think it's interesting um because it can offer something extra but i think there are a lot of teachers out there who don't offer any contact and just teach for example it depends a bit what you're into i think for teaching it doesn't matter if it's languages or not i think you should have to be passionate about what you're teaching uh, when i'm a, I'm a student myself uh, i use teachers and tutors and language partners and i'm always looking to someone who is passionate about the language that's when it when i connect with a teacher i think is one of the most important things is that the teacher is passionate about whatever subject uh, they are teaching and if you're passionate about if you're interested in creating content and you can put your passion into that content. It's something uh, for sure that could be interesting. But there are, I, I imagine there are a lot of teachers out there who don't create content, but just teach and then try to spread their passion uh, that way. Yeah, and I found really interesting what you said that you don't only teach the language on your podcast, but you also talk about the culture and the country, right? And yeah. I think it's, it's also very, very important, right? Because many people they produce content but ex exclusively about a language mm -hmm. and yeah. at least for me is a little bit hard to connect so to have this motivation to learn the language if i am not getting 
uh, getting to know the culture. Yeah, exactly. Actually, so I languages is everything. Language is not just words and sentences and grammar, but we use languages to 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 listen to music or to sing. I'm I'm, I'm not able to sing, but <laughs> some other people might. Um, or yeah, cooking or something, gastronomy or literature or the history of a country. Um, so every time I I start learning a language, the moment I'm able to read. I, I look for a book on the history of the language, for example. I've, I've read the history of Spain in Spanish, of, Catal of uh, the Catalan regions and parts of Spain and uh, other countries in uh, Catalan, for example. Uh, the history of Italy, I studied a lot um, in, in Italian because it helps you, of course, you learn certain things that way also. Languages are everything. That's why you should, I think it's interesting to try to connect with the language in, on, on different levels, different subjects. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. And uh, now approaching a little bit more the topic that uh, Antoine chose. It's interesting because before I start talking about uh, mistakes in language learning and fails and so on, before we had a, like a conversation, you told me something really interesting about how you approach mistakes in, uh, in language learning, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... But in your opinion, what are very common mistakes that beginners make while learning um, uh, languages in their approach that could be avoided? Huh. I think a lot of what I see, people sometimes buy a book and they say, okay, I'm going to learn, start this language. And then maybe they, they realize, oof, I don't like it. And they still, they continue. So I always advise, if you don't like the resource, just put it away. I, I've taken out subscriptions for, I, I took out a subscription last year on Buzu. And after a few months, I thought, I don't like this. I paid for an entire year, but I ditched it because it didn't work. So I think a lot of people insist, like a, a lot of people, I, I, don't, I don't understand very well why people would continue a book if you don't like it. Also, when you're reading a book, why would you continue after page 100? You say, I, I have no idea what's, what's going on. I don't like it, how it's written. You put it aside. With a language book, you should do, should do the same. And I also think I have a lot of language books here. But I, I the, the ones I have finished, I don't think I have a lot of them. Because after a while, I get bored or I, I need something else. But I've finished half of them. And I think a lot of students, they say that, okay, I only did half. That's a failure. Not a failure. It's half of the book, and you needed that resource to continue uh, your language adventure. So I think um, one of the per the problems is like perfectionism. You want to do everything right. You don't want to make. You don't want. To, you don't want to make mistakes. While you need to make mistakes to to advance often. Um, or you open a book, and in the past I had a I had a chapter. I remember I was studying Brazilian Portuguese and there was a chapter about fixing a car and I studied that. Now, in, in none of the languages I speak, I would uh, I, I would use that vocabulary, not in my native uh, Dutch. I, would, I, would, I never fix a car. I don't know the parts. I would go to a specialist and say, fix my car. I would do the same probably in Brazilian Portuguese. Go and fix my car. So I think when you see, okay, this is not interesting for my life, just skip it. And go to something that is interesting because if you're interested in football, soccer, of course, study that vocabulary because when you meet someone, you could be you were, would be uh, passionate, motivated to talk about it, but in another language. If you're not interested in football, don't study the vocabulary. I'm not interested. I don't know how to explain football in, in Brazilian Portuguese or Catalan, but I can explain the political structure of Belgium in, in all my languages because that interests me. 
So focus on the things that are interested for you. And I think a lot of people just, they want like a structure and they follow a book uh, from the beginning till the end or and then they study things that are maybe not interested interesting for them but that's also something I think you have to discover yourself and uh, why did I why do I don't I study any more things that are not interested for me because in the past I did it and I realized this doesn't make sense uh, I now know how to fix a car in Brazilian Portuguese but I will never in my entire li life use it so when I encounter something similar I won't do that anymore um, and that's a bit, I think my idea is language learning is a lot of trial and error. You have to find out yourself what works for you. When I have a new student, I say, I always say, I have you tried flashcards, for example. Maybe that's a thing you could do. Well, I hate flashcards because it doesn't work for me. I tried it mm -hmm. multiple times. There's an app, Anki, that I tried mm -hmm. multiple times. I hate it. But I know a lot of other people who use it, who love it. So, but that you have to find out for yourself. I love flashcards. Uh, I hate flashcards. <laughs> I hate flashcards. It doesn't work for me. It's not my. But I, I always advise my, my students. Okay, try it and see if it works for you. It's not because it works for. It didn't work for me. It might work for you. I use a lot of music. I, I, I know the, um, the song from The Lion King. Um, Can you feel the love tonight? From from The Lion King, I, I know in Brazilian Portuguese, I know in Spanish, I know in, in uh, Danish, I know in uh, Italian, in uh, another language also, I forgot. But I, German? Because in German, yeah, in German, I also know it. Because that works for me. And music helps me to, to improve my languages. It's something that I do. So I also say, have you tried music? Have you, there's a website, lyrics training that I use. But for other people, you know, other people might say, how stupid, I, I, this, this doesn't work for me. I don't want to listen to songs in another language. So you have to do a lot of trial and error to find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, Antoine sent a similar question and he wants to know uh, what mistakes you've made when, you, uh, when learning the languages you know and how you adapted your method based on that. Yeah. I, I used to be a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> um, so I wanted to be everything so to perfect. And now uh, what I've discovered a bit, and, and this is where I always say, um, in Italian you say, sbagliando simpara. So uh, you, you, you learn by making mistakes. So what I've discovered, for me personally, when I'm in a, in a class and I make mistakes and my teacher tells me, okay, that's wrong. It's, a, it's as if my brain assimilates it, that it was a mistake, but I had to make the mistake to realize that it was a mistake. I have the feeling that when you make the mistake, it's easier to avoid the same mistake in the future. While if you're going to try to avoid the mistake, um, it doesn't work that good. That's why I actually ditched my perfections. And often one of the tricks I do is when I make a mistake, I love my mistake away. I have a lot of fun during my lessons because I make a stupid mistake and I start laughing myself. So I, I use humor a bit to uh, counter the, the perfectionism that's still there some, some a little bit, I think. Yeah, actually, I think it's uh, perfectionism is also an enemy of language learning, right? Because at the end, yeah. we, wouldn't, it, we would never speak a language perfectly. No, also because native speakers make mistakes all the time. So why would somebody who's studying the language won't make mistakes? We often, often a native speaker makes other types of mistakes. 
uh, often. But yeah, if they make mistakes, why would we or language learners, uh, are, why wouldn't we be allowed to make mistakes? It's part of 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 of, of, lang of a language, of course. Yeah. And there are variations and sometimes a mistake might not be a stake, mistake in, in, in another variation of the language. So I think the most important thing, and that's, I think, where a lot of people maybe focus too much on, on, on being perfect accuracy is that the person who you're talking to understands or what you want to tell him or them. Uh, I think a lot of people also, also just want to use exclusively the language. But let's imagine you're speaking in uh, in Spanish to someone and you don't know a word and you say it in English and the other person knows the words so the person can help you out so I don't think we should be afraid to use other languages especially when you're an, at an intermediate level use all the language when I'm in a class Brazilian Portuguese my level is B1 so I use Spanish Italian uh, Catalan I throw everything into the mix and then sometimes my, my teacher can oh no no it's that word oh i know what you mean but it's different i know that word so i i think we should you shouldn't be afraid to mix what your knowledge to get your message through yeah, but that's the more, most important per, uh, thing in languages is that you can communicate and that you don't have to stop every time if, if you use the imperfect in, instead of a perfect tense that's not a big issue you can fix that when, when you're in a classroom, but when you're communicating with someone, the most important thing is that the other person understands what you want to say and that, that you don't get a Coca-Cola while you want a coffee or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Doesn't affect the message. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you looking for a language course to start learning a language and start speaking very quickly? So I have something for you. In the description of the episode, you can find Language Boost link. And there you can find many different kinds of courses for many different languages. And if you use the coupon LINGOCAST before proceeding to payment, you receive 5% of discount in the entire website. Language Boost is a company run by two friends of mine and big references for me in language learning, Fabricio Carraro and Lucas Bigetti. And these guys know what they're talking about. The method has been tested and approved. So it's easy. Just go to the link in the description box, choose the course that you prefer, add the coupon LINGOCAST to receive your discount and enjoy your language journey with Language Boost. Yeah, perfect. And um, like you mentioned about Busu, right? Was the app that you had yeah. mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And what strategy do you use to track if something is going well or not, if you should adapt or change um, in order to improve? Uh, I think it's a bit um, a feeling that you're not you, you're not. I think it's a bit it's a bit the word fun is a bit uh, mm -hmm. too much sometimes because language learning obvi obviously is not always fun. Something mm -hmm. is difficult, it's frustrating, but there has to be a certain amount of fun. You 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 have to look a bit look forward to the language learning to your lesson. If you're not you're looking for if you're in a one-to-one -one setting and you're not really looking forward to your lesson, yeah, then maybe you're the wrong is the wrong teacher, the wrong language, or the wrong day, or or whatever. And the same thing I would think with a resource. The moment you feel like oh, I don't feel continuing, or oh, it's a bit boring, I don't like how it's written, or it's too difficult even, then yeah, I think you should put it aside. I think it's a bit the same as as when you're reading a book. When do you decide, okay, I'm going to continue with the book or I'm going to stop? If you feel like, okay, oh, I don't want to, I don't feel like reading it anymore, then you stop the book. 
If you do say, okay, I, oh, I, last time I read was one week ago and I already forgot what it was about. So you don't feel motivated to continue the book. So you put it aside and you choose another book. I think it's the same thing with an app, with, with a resource, with a teacher, a class, whatever. If you don't feel motivated enough, if there's not like a little bit, at least a little bit of fun or you're enjoying it, yeah, I put it aside and I switched to something else. I switched from Buzu to Mondly now since two months, I think. And I'll see how it goes. I paid for one year, but maybe in next month I will say, Oof, yeah, it's not worth it anymore or my level, it's not it's not interesting anymore and I'll, I'll do something else. That it's not a waste of, it's, it's more a waste of time to continue with something that doesn't work or that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So basically you check the, you, you track uh, your strategies to track it by, by your motivation to see how motivated. motivation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think also yeah, when, especially with a teacher, I often, I sometimes have that at, before a lesson. Oh, why did I book a lesson? It's been a busy day. And then at the end of the lesson, I'm more motivated than before. And that's when I know, okay, this is a good teacher. This, this person works for me. Uh, so that the motivation is very important. I've had, I had a student, I have a student who told me uh, a few years ago, I tried on italki, the website I work on, uh, with an, another teacher and I didn't like it and I stopped for years. And I thought, you stopped for years. So that that's how big the influence of a ne negative experience can be. Some people say, oh, this doesn't work for me. So maybe they think, okay, I'm the problem. While it could be the teacher, right? not every teacher is perfect for you. Uh, we are all different people. We, we look for different things like a book or a course. Uh, some, I think some people start a language and say after chapter five, I'm not advanced. I don't like the book. So, okay, this language is not for me. Language learning is not for me. But maybe it's just the wrong book or the wrong language. Switch language, switch book. I know someone who like insist in, okay, I studied German in high school. So now I want to, I want to continue. And every time she tells me, oh, I don't, I don't like it. And I'm not motivated. And every time I tell her, choose another language. If you're not motivated, why continue? Why insist? And you also mentioned that you do a language exchanges. When you have a language exchange section with uh, your language partner, how do you approach the, the mistakes, for example, both like uh, the mistakes that your language partner makes? Do you take notes? Do you have like something to track? Uh, how, how do you do? Do you have any tips? Yeah, it depends very much on how you see a language exchange, I think. So all my language, there, for me, there's a big difference between a language exchange and when I'm teaching. When I'm teaching, I write stuff down. I explain um, way more than when I'm in a language exchange. When I'm in a language exchange, I just correct while they're speaking or I pick some some words, some structures out of the conversation to keep the conversation going. Uh, because that's yeah, you, you want to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, while in a language setting, you can stop the conversation and switch from one subject to another. Um, so, but I have uh, I've had language exchange where somebody was writing uh, things in a document. While for me that takes a bit um, the fun away. Uh, from it, while also it's, the difference between a lesson and then a language exchange becomes very, yeah, not, not so big anymore. Well, for mm -hmm. me, it's more, okay, language exchange is for conversation. I just want to talk and then somebody, when I, when I don't find a word that the person helps me, I don't necessarily need like explanation. That's more for 
a lesson mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, I asked because actually I do this, uh, what you were mentioning, like when I'm having language exchanges, I'm taking notes. I have mm -hmm. also like a chart where I'm writing the, the phrases that the person didn't know how to say. So mm -hmm. I write how it's correct, the translation. And, mm -hmm. and then I was wondering, you said that you also do language exchanges in person. And I was wondering yeah. how I would do that in person because... Do you have tips as well for language exchange in person and how to approach, how to correct, how to improve For me, it's uh, online and in person is a bit the same, I feel. Because I, I don't have that like writing down or like today, I had a language exchange today. We went to a bar and we talked for two hours and there was only one moment I had to write something down. I sent a message in WhatsApp because he, he had to see it, how it was written. Uh, then it wasn't in, interesting. Um, but I think... A language exchange, for me, a language exchange works w when it's not a, only a partner anymore. So the, I think the, the, the people I now have, I have three language exchange partners uh, online and two in person. And those, per those people are not, for me, are not partners. Those people are friends. So we, we connect uh, so well that I consider them to be friends. And then I think if you start writing down and, and, and sending a document with all the mistakes, it takes a bit, bit the fun away from the, the friendship also, from the language exchange. Mm -hmm. I think that this for sure has to do with the fact I'm a teacher and I'm all already, I want to have a difference between a language exchange where I focus on conversation and the teaching part where I'm more like explaining, where I have to prepare, where I have to look uh, for things on the internet. And for me, a language exchange has to be a bit more relaxed. But I think that has to do all with the fact that I'm, all, that I'm a teacher. So I want to I want to separate and I want to see a, a difference be between both of them. It's a very interesting approach how you have about both of them, about mm -hmm. teaching and about the language exchange. Mm -hmm. And have you ever tried to do Something like a language exchange, but with a, another teacher where you teach the person for uh, a certain period of time and then the, the rest, the, the other person will teach you the language? Um, I So I have only once had, I think I only once had like a teacher as a language exchange partner. The other ones are just people into languages. So... I think it would be interesting where you have two teachers and then one person can, I, I teach him or, or I teach them a language and they teach me a language. That would be an interesting setting, I think. Um, but if you have just a language exchange partner, it's not a teacher. I think there is, there always, there has, in, in my life, in the relationships, be it friendship, rom romance or languages, there has to be like a balance, I feel. So if I, I don't want to like teach a language and the other person is just my language exchange partner where we only have conversation. I think it would be interesting to people who are teachers and then I teach and uh, the other person teaches. But I haven't had that, I think. It's all, yeah, pure conversation more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, b just before we move to the next part of the podcast, you mentioned something interesting before, like Pallando Sin Para. Mm-hmm that you learn by making mistakes, but what's your tips for not making the same mistakes over and over again and like re reducing the amount of times that we will make the same mistakes? Because sometimes I have in some languages, like I will make the same mistakes so many times that. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I think you have to accept that that's normal. 
So you have people who say sorry during my lesson because they make the same mistake again. But uh, certain mistakes you have to make multiple times before you start auto-correcting them and before you don't make them anymore. I think it, it's it's normal. The only what you can do, of course, you can focus on that mistake. But you make so we make so many mistakes, you cannot focus on all of them. What you can do is pick out a few, which exactly is what a teacher does when you have a conversation. I also have to pick. I I cannot focus on every tiny mistake. Of course, I have to pick a few of them. And as a student, you can do the same. Okay, I always make that mistake. I always forget that the past tense of that verb. So I'm going to write it down. I'm going to focus on it. You can focus on a few and then um, get them out of your system, let's say, and then you can focus on others. But of course, you cannot do that for all your mistakes. I think the most important thing is accepting first, okay, I will make this mistake over and over and over. Again, that's a possibility. Some mistakes is you hear it once and you say, okay, okay, it's the other way around, so okay. But other mistakes you will over and over and over and over and over again until one day you won't make that mistake again. And then um, what a lot of people have, then suddenly they realize, I didn't make that mistake now. It took me six months, maybe. So you have a lot of joy because it took them six months, but yet you, they, they did it. Sometimes it takes a while, sometimes it's fast. Uh, the important thing I think here is also accept that it might take a while. It's part of the, this is, yeah, this is not a sprint. It's like a marathon, not running a marathon. Totally. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love your words. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Going to the next part of the podcast, there are always two questions that I ask everyone. Mm -hmm. And the first question is, what's your personal definition of fluency? What does fluency mean for you? Oof, fluency. I think fluency means that I don't have to stop too often or even not and look for words, that I'm not worrying too much about verb forms, that I'm able to explain what I mean even if, even if I don't know the words. If, if I don't know the, the, the words, I'm, I'm showing you my mouse here. If I don't know this word in a language, I can say, oh, the thing I use to click on my screen. So you don't need the word, but you can explain what you mean. And you have an ample vocabulary. You don't use the same words all the time. Where Especially, you don't have to stop and look for words. That's, for me, fluency. Which, if we talk about levels, I think, for me, that's somewhere when you're at B2 level. Awesome. And the second question is, what does it mean for you to be a polyglot? My first response would be, what does it mean? Nothing. It's just an, an, it's a name. It's a bit like I'm Belgium. What does it mean for me to be Belgium? Yeah, I was born in Belgium. Uh, on my passport, there's written Belgium. And this is a bit, this, I'm poly, yeah, or on my profile on Twitter, is written something polyglot. Instead of Kenny, there's written something polyglot. That it, what does it mean? It's just, uh, it's just, just a word. It doesn't really, it really mean a lot for me. I think it's just a part. It's, it's a part. Of course, it's a part of my identity, and it, it, it explains a bit. I don't think it explains a lot because a lot of people don't real. A lot of people are impressed when I say, "Oh, I speak ten languages," but what they don't don't realize that it took me uh, thirty-eight. Yeah, not thirty. I started when I was eight, so thirty years to get there here, where I am with a lot of studying, with a lot of effort, with a lot of energy, with a lot of time. So it's it's a word, but it doesn't express what's, what's behind the words. Uh, all the effort, the energy, the time, the mistakes, uh, the frustrations even. 
uh, that go behind that word, that concept, actually. It's just a word. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's the first time I heard that. And yeah, I love the, the, the different answers that everyone gives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the last part of the podcast, I have different questions in the different languages for you. In, the, okay. in our common languages. So are you prepared? I'm ready. So, well, uh, bueno, en español sabemos que tenés una, una pasión por los idiomas, pero tenés mm -hmm. un sentimiento especial por los idiomas latinos, porque uh, hablas muchos, ¿no? Uh, sí. Ma, mi idioma preferido es el, um, es el italiano, mm -hmm. porque era el primer idioma. Uh, viví en Italia también. Y mi expareja era italiano. Uh -huh. Durante 11 años tenía el italiano todo el día alrededor de mí y aún con mis peritos hablo en italiano, aunque vivo a solas. Eh, ellos, sí, con ellos hablo en italiano y yo pienso, pienso que pienso 50% del tiempo en italiano. Wow. 50% en inglés y 50% en italiano, pienso. Uh -huh. Bueno, es sor sorprendente, no, no, no sabía. Eh, sí. sí. Especialmente porque como tu, tu primer idioma es un idioma germánico, ¿no? Y hablas otros idiomas germánicos, entonces sería más fácil para, para vos pensar en, en los idiomas germánicos, ¿no? Por eso me, me sorprende un sí, poco. Sí, pero la, todo la el día. Yo utilizo el, el holandés, el flamenco, sí, pero solo en el trabajo con mis alumnos. A veces cuando escucho algo, un podcast, eh, pero eh, todo el resto del día yo estoy con la, la cabeza en español, italiano, inglés, sobre, to sobre todo estos tres idiomas, porque vivo en, en España, Madrid, pero como no tengo, con, mis, con mi, mis amigos, no tengo un amigo que habla mi idioma, sí, no tengo ningún, no conozco a nadie en mi ciudad, aquí en Madrid, que habla el holandés. Hago un, um, un intercambio con alguien holandés-español, uh, pero todo el día yo no tengo en mi vida de rea, real, pero la vida en, en internet es también real, pero la, con, con las personas la comunicación nunca es en, en holandés, por eso tengo el italiano e inglés, y porque en internet hablo mucho en inglés y el um, español, sí, sobre todo. Esos tres idiomas están todo el tiempo cada día alrededor de mí. Sí, uh, re interesante. Y uh, en francés, on sait que tu as une passion pour, pour les langues, une passion pour l'italien, mm -hmm. mais tu as aussi une passion pour l'enseignement? Oui, 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 certainement, parce que euh, les langues, comme professeur, je peux aider les personnes. Mm -hmm. Ouais, hein, je peux aider les personnes et je, ça, je trouve très important, euh, import, une chose très importante parce que j'ai eu des boulots dans le passé où j'étais inspecteur et je devais contrôler les personnes. C'était un boulot très négatif et maintenant, je peux aider les personnes aussi. Euh, j'ai connu beaucoup, de, euh, énormément de personnes intéressantes aussi. Et, euh, non seulement j'aide les personnes, mais ils il me... Il, il m'aide aussi, euh, je veux dire, il, il m'enseigne aussi, il raconte des choses de leur vie. Et c est, c est, je pense que c'est la combination de pouvoir aider les personnes, et, et eux qui m'enseignent des, des choses de leur vie, mais aussi c'est lié aux langues. Ça, euh, cette combina combinaison, je pense que, que fait que pour moi, ce n'est pas vraiment un, un boulot. 
je, presque, je dirais presque que je, je vis un rêve ici parce que je peux utiliser mes langues, je peux aider les personnes. Et moi, comme personne, j'adore apprendre des, 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 des choses et ce boulot euh, fait que j'ai l'opportunité d'apprendre chaque jour. Chaque jour, j'apprends quelque chose que je ne, je ne savais pas hein, de mes élèves, des langues aussi. Et ça, cette combinaison, pour moi, c'est parfaite. Oui, super. Eh, ah, et ah, en portugais, você disse que, portugais. que começou a aprender português porque tinha amigos portugueses, mas depois você falou que ah, aprendia português brasileiro. Brasileiro, ah, sim. Hoje você fala português brasileiro e por que não português europeu? Ah, sim, falo português brasileiro, mas não muito bem. <risos> mas eu, ti, eu tive uma... Um... Como se diz? Um companheiro, um colega de uhum. trabalho em Itália que um, trabalhei, trabalhou, trabalhou em Brasil e uh, eu aprendi com, com ele uh, o português do Brasil. E porque um, eu queria uh, mudar. Mudar? Ah, Brasil, ah. Um, sim, mas sim. Um, o português do Brasil é a, o, a língua que eu não falo, não falo como o espanhol, o italiano, o catalão ou o francês. Uhum. Tenho um nível B1, eu acho. Uhum. Sim, ok. Sim, mas, uhum. mas você fala bem. Ok. Ma Obrigado. quindi l'italiano lo so che, che lo parli sì. benissimo e quindi pu sì. pu puoi raccontare un po' come, come scegli le lingue e, e sai già quale ah. sa sarà la, pro la prossima? La prossima lingua non lo so perché nella mia vita penso che sono soprattutto le lingue che hanno scelto me perché ho iniziato col tedesco perché avevo colleghi della Germania. Mm -hmm. Poi il portoghese perché c'erano due colleghi, un collega di Lisboa e poi un uh, collega italiano che aveva vissuto in Brasile. E poi continuando la vita io ho studiato lo, lo spagnolo perché ave, avevamo deciso di venire qui in Spagna. Poi il catalano, per esempio, eh, durante la pandemia stava leggendo un libro e sulla storia di Catalogna in Spagna e c'era scritto che ah, ci sono poche persone in, in Spagna che non vivono in una zona dove si parla catalano che studiano eh, o parlano il catalano io, io pensavo eh, perché io, non, io vivo a Madrid qui non si parla catalano oh, perché non posso iniziare io col catalano quindi solo perché c'era scritta questa cosa in un libro che stavo leggendo ho iniziato col catalano e ogni volta è un po' Così, adesso sto il, col greco perché un giorno mi è entrato, oh, perché non studio il greco? E pensavo, oh, perché no? Sì, non... Adesso, per esempio, io posso dirti che ho un interesse per il lussemburghese, per il frisone, per uh, il gallego o il giapponese, ma non so che cosa succederà nella, nella mia vita. Ho iniziato... Eh, un, un, un po' con lo svedese quest'anno, ma non c'era interesse. E quindi ho lasciato, eh, lasciato eh, lo svedese e vedrò che cosa succederà nel futuro. Mm -hmm. Sono le lingue che scelgono me e non eh, al contrario, penso. Sì, perfetto, anch'io sono d'accordo. Però okay. per... Uh, la so, Auf Deutsch? 
Äh, was sind die Pläne und die, die Projekte für, für 2023? 2023. Ich äh, möchte gerne äh, weitergehen mit äh, Griechisch, weil ich habe jetzt nur ein A2-Niveau äh, und ich möchte gerne mehr Zeit mit Griechisch haben, um ein Niveau zu haben, wo ich nach Griechenland kann gehen und ein bisschen Griechisch kann sprechen. Und ich glaube, weil das eine neue Sprache ist, ähm, muss ich mehr Zeit mit Griechisch ähm, haben. Ähm, aber ich möchte auch ähm, mehr äh, lesen. Ich habe dieses Jahr 50 äh, Bücher gekauft und ich habe nur 10 Bücher gelesen. Und, ähm, aber ähm, viele Buchen sind in äh, andere Sprachen und ähm, ich glaube, ich muss mehr le lesen, um äh, mein, äh, wo, wie sagt man das auf Deutsch, äh, Wodenschatz auszu ah, uh. auszubreiten, Griechisch und äh, lesen. Aber ich weiß nicht, vielleicht, ähm, ja, äh, ist das in diesem äh, nächsten Jahr lehre ich jemanden kennen von, weiß nicht, Japan oder ich weiß nicht, und dann, dann, dann will ich vielleicht mit Japanisch anfangen. Ja. Mhm. Mhm. Ja, super. Und, äh, super. Tenim también una otra lengua en común, que es el catalán. Sí. Eh, sí. Siempre es interesante, eh, interesante escuchar por qué la gente aprende el catalán. Sí. Va a porque va, va, va a, comer, a comenzar a aprender el catalán. Y, sí. Pero vives a Madrid, ¿no? Sí. ¿Cómo sí. es la, la reacción de la gente, de, de los catalanes? Uh -huh. con, con una persona habla catalán sí, aquí. Sí, con una persona uh, que no, no es catalana, eh, una persona que, que vive en un, 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 una otra uh, región. Región, sí. ¿Cómo aquí. es la reacción? Um... De verdad, aquí a Madrid yo voy a hablar el catalán, puede ser tres vegadas, pienso, uh -huh. porque no es muy difícil encontrar gente que habla catalán aquí, pero yo tengo amigos de Barcelona que un amigo va a venir aquí y todo el tiempo va a hablar en, van a hablar en, en catalán, pero ja, eh, ya yeah, siempre ya aquel problema de, de política de la, la separación y la, eh, y la, la, la gente de, de España que no vol um, donar más atención a, la, a las lenguas um, minoritarias mm -hmm. no sé cómo es digo aquí esta cosa um, pero yo voy a hablar no más tres vegadas aquí Um, catalán, yo tengo ahora una amiga de Reus, una ciudad de Cataluña que <coughs> vendrá aquí a casa meva uh, unos días y seguramente hablaremos todo el tiempo en catalán um, pero pienso que la gente de vagadas no se adone que una persona que está hablando en catalán cuando ya uno mes una persona um, Depende una mica, pienso, de, la, de las personas. Yo visco también a un barrio donde la mayoría de, la mayoría de las personas hablan castellano, pero el castellano de América Latina. Yo visco a uh -huh. un barrio uh, obrero y un, un barrio de, de migrantes. O sea, uh -huh. Pero aquí es si todo en, uh, sí, en castellano, en español. O sea, 
Muy bien, vais comprendre. Eh, well, uh, for the end of this episode, there's also like the last question I ask everyone. Who you who would you like to see in the next episodes of Lingocast? Like one name and one topic. Uh, so I have one of my language exchange partner is uh, a guy from uh, Mexico um, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. His um, uh, yeah nickname is uh, Langaholic. It's Alejandro is his name, um, and he speaks uh, on his profile. I can read it here: learning, butchering, and unlearning 15 languages. So he speaks more languages than me, and especially what I found is impressive is a bit the combination of those languages. So it's not only I speak European languages. I tried with Japanese, but he speaks, uh, yeah, not only a few European Indo-European languages, but also uh, Malay. I see here Korean, um, for sure Jap Japanese, um, wow, and also uh, Chinese. So I. I think what I would like to know, how, how do you do that? How do you, for me, I feel like, um, for me, it's a bit easy sometimes. I feel like Catalan, I learned in one year because I, I just put, I, I could understand half of it. And then you put all the pieces together and you create a new language. I'm now doing Greek and suddenly it's going a bit slower because it's another alphabet and their connections are not very clear. So I think a lot of people in the language learning community focus a lot on either you're in the European languages or then they have one, for example, they focus on Korean, one uh, non in European language. But he, for example, he has that interesting mixture. And I would like, I think I would like, how do you do that? How do you maintain all those different languages? So I think he has to invest, he inv I know he invests a lot of time, but how do you maintain so many different languages? I think for me, it's easier to maintain my uh, Brazilian Portuguese because the other languages help me. If you have that uh, that variety in your language mix, especially his uh, 15 languages, mm -hmm. I think it's very challenging and in, in interesting to learn because one day I would like to add one of uh, his uh, non-Indo-European languages. Interesting to know how he does that. How do you maintain all those different languages? Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him also because I mm -hmm. also speak only in the European languages and I, mm -hmm. I set the goal that next year I will start my first non-European language and I have no idea how it will be exactly as you said like at the end yeah. after some time we already know like the process we already know what to expect mm -hmm. but with a non-European language I think it's completely different so I'm looking forward to talking to him and yeah, yeah then okay. where, where can people find you in the social media? Yeah, but the easiest way, I have my own uh, website, www.somethingpolyglot.com. And then I have a link also to um, my um, social media, especially Twitter and also on uh, an Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. And okay. yeah, uh, so I will leave all the links. Uh, I will leave your link in the description of the episode so everyone can follow you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So okay. thank you very, thank much, you very for, much for being part of this episode. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.